Straight Talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Welcome to Returning Home. I'm your host, Natalie Sapinski. Today is Sunday, February 19th, 2023. It is a beautiful day here in Israel, in Susia, in the Hebron Hills. It's actually sunny today, and um, it feels like it's the end of winter. It really does, but, you know, you never know. It's not Purim yet. Sometimes Purim, you do get that cold rain. You just really never know. But I'll tell you, those of you who are not here, everything now is green, okay? We don't have grass naturally really anywhere here but now there's grass everywhere everywhere is green and it's one of the struggles i've been having for months and i haven't shared this at all with you um, is our garden we have a pretty large yard and we bought a dog we got a dog um, two years ago so we had to put a fence around our yard and that's like all we've done. We put a fence around our yard, but we haven't planted anything. We've been in the house for almost 15 years. It's horrible to say this. You know, everyone else has planted. Everyone else seems to have this green thumb or an inn with a gardener, or they're just really good at it. But I'm not. I've never been really good at it. Okay. Like people give me flowers as a gift and they die. I just haven't been good at it. And I'm raised in America where things grow with the rain, you know, and I was raised mowing the lawn. Um, I never had to like, water anything or plant anything or have you know a gardener put hoses down to water things and i hired someone and uh, it was recommended to me by my son whose friend worked for him and he came and he's actually um, a son of a gardener who's actually an american so the guy speaks english pretty well and he actually had like a big vision and actually asked me, practically interviewed me, you know, tell me what your lifestyle is like. Very unusual. Okay. And he's not the first gardener I ever met. Most of them come over and they say, what do you want? What do you want? But he wasn't like that. He was like, tell me what your life is like. And um, so over a few meetings, uh, we developed a plan and actually like scheduled out part and part sections of the yard portioning it out this part will have this part this part will have that and drew it out and it took time and um i even had to pay for some of these meetings and um he came up with some quotes i mean it ran a lot of money okay like the entire plan is something like one hundred twenty thousand shekel all right which is about fifty thousand dollars for a garden and that's trees and bushes and rocks and lights and um some other stuff and, uh, you know, I brought it to my husband. He's like, you got to be crazy. That's crazy. I'm like, but he but he had, he had told me we're going to do a nice garden and spend what you got to spend. And now he's telling me I'm crazy. So what do I do? I start looking around for other gardeners. Now I have the plan now. I paid for the plan. So I go to get other quotes, right? So the, another gardener I called came right over. And just so you know, you know, getting people to come over is also not so easy. That takes time. To get someone to actually answer you, to come over and then schedule a time when you when you're going to be there too. So that's time. So I found someone who actually could come over that same day. He was from a shoe nearby, five minutes five minutes away, and he came over. And I already had the plan, so it was easy because I could just tell him what I wanted. And he gave me a um, a quote like the next day, and uh, it was less than the first guy. But then what happened? I started asking him questions, and he didn't like my questions. And he actually said to me. After back and forth a few times, 
look, you know, I'm putting a lot of time into this. And if we're not going to go forward, you know, I'm sorry. No, like I can't just keep answering your questions and not moving forward. But I'm nervous. You know, I'm nervous. I'm nervous about a watering system. We have to put in a watering system. It's like a computer. It's like a thousand dollars. And then I don't know how much water it's going to take. No one explained that to me. Um, there are a lot of things that are foreign for, for me, for putting in a garden. And I think for any American who came here from the East Coast, when these things are just not existing, you know, like this first gardener told me I had to put the dog somewhere else because the dog would rip up all the hoses. The second garden didn't mention the dog at all. And he saw the dog. So uh, these things make me very, very nervous. And I have not gone forward. I have not moved forward. And this has been a very big, how do I say this, like a thorn in my side, you know, it's almost like a wall. I just can't break through this wall of fear to put in these hoses and pay the money and have and trust someone to come and build this for me. Because honestly, I, I, I just don't have the experience and I don't have the confidence in my ability to, you know, see that these things will grow. Um, bushes don't just, you know, grow on their own. You have to have water. You have to have the sunlight. And what if they don't grow? So that is something I have been struggling with. And some of you might think, oh, that's not a big deal. Now who cares? You know, you don't need a garden. And maybe you're right. So that is something that's different about living in Israel than living in the eastern part of the United States or wherever you came from. Some of you maybe live where all this stuff happens automatically and you always had grass and you always had trees and you always had bushes and you never had to actually plant and start. So that was kind of overwhelming for me and my husband. And it's annoying. Um, I was just uh, talking to some friends of mine asking me about my parenting style and, and they couldn't uh, believe I came here and, and how different it is here. But I didn't talk about the garden at all. I just talked about parenting. Um, it was it was interesting. But anyway, that is on my mind because like I told you, everything now is really green. And it's so green and it's so easy now to think, oh, I don't need a garden. Everything's green, but it's not going to be like that forever. Um, I'll tell you what happened the other day. It's so green. You forget that it actually is still cold and wet. And I was walking the dog and I fell on a rock right on my side. Um, the dog was off the leash and he didn't pay attention to me. I don't think he would have helped me anyway. And I'm lying on the ground and there was nothing I could do. I had to get up and keep walking and I'm all bruised now. And it was just awful. And, you know, it's kind of, uh, I guess dangerous sometimes in the morning when it's slick on those rocks, right? Can't go running around like a goat, but um, that happened. Um, what else can I share with you? My son has a, it's called a uh, kumta ceremony. He'll, he'll be getting his red beret. He's finishing basic training this Wednesday in two days, three days. And it's going to be at Ammunition Hill in Jerusalem. He's doing a um, 50 kilometer walk with, I believe, half his body weight on him. And carrying stretchers. He is a paratrooper. I've told you this in the past. He's my second son. We're very proud of him. And that is a big deal. Um, they even told us on the invitation, do not help them and do not give them anything. And I think they mean like candy or water. And they are not allowed to drive afterwards. That's because they're going to be so exhausted. So I'm. Uh, we're planning on actually maybe even going to Yerushalayim the night before, because it is at nine in the morning and um, getting to Yerushalayim in the morning is not easy. It's, it'll take us maybe two hours, maybe three hours with the traffic and the parking and all that. So that's kind of uh, exciting. That's a big part of his army experience. And after that, he'll 
be doing his regular um, job. And I don't exactly, he's a medic. He's actually a combat medic, but he's pretty upset about this, pretty excited about this. And then he has not spoken to us for five days. And he told us, I, I won't be able to talk to you. My phone is off. And we actually had a little scare because he fainted or almost fainted at the end of one exercise. He had to go to the doctor, the cardiologist. And um, so he's fine in the end, but he's working hard. And, you know, any of you who do move to Israel with boys, probably girls too, you'll see they go to the army and, you know, they have to do things that we just don't have any idea really what they're going through. We really don't. Um, I ask them all the time, what do you eat for breakfast? What's it like? What's the cheder like? What is the dining hall like? Who, how many people are in your room? Um, and this one boy, my second boy actually tells me everything as, as much detail as he can. My first son didn't tell me anything. It just, just didn't, he's not a talker. So I have very different, um, you know, visions of what the two boys have gone through, but they talk to each other and, and they do have their own now army language and our Shabbat table when they're home is extremely loud, extremely, um, filled with uh, insults and curses and it is so much fun i just love it i just love it um it's it's just something to see your kids grow up here they are so um sharp you know the way they speak and the insults just go flying and they're hardened you know they're hardened that way and i I, I, th I think it's great you know that's how they learn to talk that's how they speak to each other that's the culture here and it's um, a closeness that they feel with their friends and with each other. It's not so polite. It's not polite society here. It's a warm, it's a hot society, right? And I, I just love that. Uh, my husband doesn't feel that way at all. He thinks it's just totally inappropriate. They shouldn't speak that way to each other. They shouldn't insult each other. So this is a, this is an argument and this is a, an issue that we disagree on. And, you know, it's not just like living in Israel, couples disagree. Couples disagree everywhere, okay? Maintaining your marriage is work. It's work in America, it's work on vacation, and it's work in Israel. And, um, you know, it is hard. It is hard work. It is daily work, okay? You don't get a day off from that work. And uh, it is sometimes very exhausting. Um, and I think people need to take a break from each other. I will say this. My husband is right now in Sharm el-Sheikh. He flew this morning from Tel Aviv, left the house at three in the morning, and he's taking a vacation. He's on his mid-semester break, and he needs it, okay? He needs a vacation from work, and I think he needs a vacation from me. I think he would have liked me to go with him, but I think it's good to have some time apart. I think all couples know that, and it's important to do. Years ago, here on the Yishuv, Someone told me that we should take a vacation, my husband and I, every year for a minimum of two nights. She said it has to be two nights. One night is not enough. And you see this, you know, couples do go away here. Um, and they, the kids, you know, go to their grandparents or to a neighbor. Um, I think that is so cool to see that, to see that that's done. Even with these huge families, okay, with lots of kids, sometimes a lot of little kids but that couples actually do make that effort because like I just said, being apart from each other is important. Being apart, being together away from the home is also important. And we've done that too. My husband and I just, we were there a lot a couple months ago, a couple weeks ago. That's also important. Marriage is important everywhere. Um, Israel or wherever you are. All right, we are taking a break. 
Um, stick around if you want to hear me keep talking because there's no guest today. It's just me. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Returning Home. I'm your host, Natalie Zipinski, speaking today all by myself um, about life in Israel. I uh, was just actually on another podcast about parenting and about having a large family. And it's an American show. And it's pretty funny because, as you all know, I've told you, I have five kids. But in Israel, at least in my circles, um, five children is not a large family. But... um, you know, in other places, I suppose it is. So that was kind of uh, funny. I had to explain that people my age have, you know, seven, six or seven, and they come from families that are very large. I, I have friends that are in families that are one of 13, they're one of 10, they're one of eight. So um, it's pretty, uh, you know, I guess everything is relative. And these women were asking me my parenting style, which is pretty funny because what is style? What is parenting style? I'm very hands off. And um, I don't think every Israeli is like that. I think Israel has as many different kinds of parents as any society does. I see parents today that are on WhatsApp chats talking incessantly about details if the children have a cookout. Okay, they send a list out of who's bringing what. Lots of chatter. If if something happened in class, if there's a class trip, um, lots of lots of mother and is mostly mothers. Most a lot of mother interaction. And um, I'm not like that at all. I I'm, I just don't, I can't be on my phone all the time and I don't need to know every little thing. But, you know, the generations are different, I, I think. I think today, mothers that are in their 20s and 30s are so comfortable with the phone and the texting and social media and even, you know, just like using their phone as, as such a tool of communication. And my generation isn't, so much like that. I mean, we just aren't, you know, I'm, I'm thrilled to turn my phone off to Shabbat. I, I, I don't have it with me all the time. I don't have, I'm not looking at it all the time. If it's in my purse half the time, um, I have it on silent most of the time. I, I don't like to be uh, a slave to my phone. And that means a slave to work, a slave to friends, a slave to kids, a slave to husband. No, you know, I, I can't, you know, even when it rings, I don't always answer if I hear it. And it's, rare that I hear it because it's always on silent. I think um, it's it's very um, disruptive to a flow. And if you're writing, and I do a lot of writing for Hatzalah Yudav Shamron, I write a newsletter, I have to prepare projects for for um, foundations, you have to concentrate. And how can you concentrate when you're on your phone all the time or people bothering you all the time? You can't. You can't. Um, and believe me, there's lots of things going on. You know, I have I do have the five kids and they each have uh, issues. But um, you got to, you know, I think draw a line, draw a red line. Um, I'll tell you, I'll share something interesting that happened this week. Something else besides my son that's going forward. Um, my um, organization is um, getting support from some very interesting foundation of Spanish Jews. It's called the Hispanic Jewish Foundation. And I went to a party this week, a cocktail party. Now, who goes to a cocktail party in Israel? Well, I went to a cocktail party in Israel. It was great. Not only was it great that I went to a cocktail party, I got to dress up. I got to wear high heels. 
And my son drove me, which meant I could drink. And they had like five different kinds of whiskey and three different kinds of wine. And it was very fancy and very, very exciting. I love that. I love it. If any of you know of any other cocktail parties going on in Jerusalem or in, anywhere in Israel, please invite me. I love parties and meeting new people. Um, but it was great because my son is actually was on vacation for, from the army and he got to drive me and I didn't have to worry about that. And it was a lot of fun. But um, it was really great to meet all these Spanish Jews. And they were from Venezuela and from um, Spain, from Madrid, from nobody from Portugal. But uh, I, I did find from Argentina and they are just the warmest people. And I remember when I was a, a student at Hebrew University, my first time in Israel back in 1992, 91, 92, um, I had a boyfriend from Brazil. And and he had a bunch of friends and they were just the warmest people. They were so like fun and warm and very proud and loud. And I remember also like all the students from Mexico um, would be like loud, you know, riding the buses and screaming, uh, you know, I'm Israel high out the windows. And my best friend from that year, my roommate, actually, who is an American girl from Chicago, became a you know got a boyfriend from one of those countries chile i think and they actually got married um and they couldn't really speak to each other her hebrew was really bad she didn't have much spanish he didn't have much english they just made do on hebrew and i remember like listening to them talking to each other and it was just so funny because really beginner hebrew but they they obviously liked each other there was chemistry and they got married and um all you single people out there, I actually had a conversation recently with a single man, 60 years old, I think, um, divorced, I believe, and looking for a new wife. And um, his Hebrew is not so great. And he and I said to him, you know, how's the dating going? And he's like, it's, you know, it's okay. It's hard. I said, how about going out with an Israeli woman? And he said, well, I, I don't think I'll be able to communicate so well. And I just started laughing because I remember these two. My friends, they could barely communicate. But really, how much does verbal communication matter? Really, how much? Because chemistry is like huge. If you like the way someone smiles when you look at them, or if you like the way they shrug their shoulders, you know, body language is also a language. And I don't think language out of your mouth, the words you say, really matters so much. When I spent that one year in Israel, I didn't have any American boyfriends. They were all foreign. And, um, you know, I had a great time, you know, a great time. And I had a very special relationships also when I lived in Israel, single, and my Hebrew wasn't so great. Yeah, you know, love and, and chemistry is pretty strong. And I don't think language and the words out of your mouth matter so much. So don't get so hung up on your Hebrew skills. Sure, practice, of course, improve. Put your all in there, put in the effort, but don't let not knowing Hebrew well get in the way of living in Israel, meeting an Israeli, dating an Israeli, looking for love, you know, with people who speak a different language. It's, you know, it's an adventure. It's an adventure. Um, anyway, this, uh, this group of um, Spanish Jews is really nice. And I made some friends there and it's really, really had a good time. And they're really wonderful people. And there are people who do move to Israel and live here. And, you know, maybe later in life, I met a woman older than me who moved here. She's a grandmother. She lives in Netanya. 
and um you know their english is her english is actually pretty good and they made aliyah you know people are moving here from everywhere i just love that you know they're not just moving here from the ukraine they're not just moving here from russia they're not just moving here from france they're moving here from everywhere israel is really just i loved this the thing i loved about this party also is reminded me that jerusalem is like the center and these were not religious people i was the only one there with their hair covered okay these are not religious people but they are Israel and strong Jews, Israel lovers, strong Jews. I just love that. They come, you know, with religious or not, who cares? You know, if you're Jewish and you love Israel, Jerusalem's where you need to be. And I just loved it. Uh, it reminded me of, of of being there. You really do feel like you're in the center. Everyone calls Tel Aviv, the Merkaz, the center. Business-wise, it is, okay, fine. But Jerusalem is like very international. There you find Everybody, everybody who wants to come to Israel, they all come to Jerusalem. And it is just awesome. Um, what else do I have to share with you, people? I uh, The weeks are just flying by. Purim is in just a matter of, I think, a week and a half. And we have a rule here now in our Yeshua, pretty exciting, that we're all limited to two two packages, gift packages, which is such a relief because every year, I make this long list of all my friends, you know, 15 people. Okay. I'm only, or then I'll cut it down to 10. I'm only going to do 10. And I start making pizza and I start buying all this stuff. And then my kids all have their friends, you know, and each child has like 15 friends. So I end up like a slave. You're like a slave making all these little packages and it's too much. It becomes too much. So every year they do have a, like almost like what you would call a secret Santa, kind of like a secret exchange to families names are put in everyone's mailbox so you those two families are you're making packages for them even if you don't know them it doesn't matter those are your two so i would have those two and they have to be good they have to be big and then i had all my friends so this year i'm only going to do those two and that was my decision and my kids just told me there was news in the in the newspaper that you are only restricted you're only allowed to do two we're not gonna let people do i mean they're gonna do it anyway right people are gonna do it anyway but it's totally normal and it's totally fine. And we encourage families to only do the two. And maybe it's because our issue has gotten so big. Maybe it's because there's so much waste. Maybe it's because the kids, I, I, I don't know why. I don't know what happened. I'm just thrilled. So I only need to make two. And there'll be two big Michelle Manot, a pizza, a salad, I don't know, a cake and a bottle of wine. And I am so excited. So that's a big um, load off my shoulders. And I actually have friends coming, donors actually coming to spend Purim here. Um, a woman, a good friend and a very generous woman is coming from Hawaii and actually has, she's renting an apartment here. I got an apartment for her and she'll be spending Purim in Susia with me and my family. Very exciting. And, you know, Purim is awesome. It's basically like welcome spring, open it, like spring is here or like spring is almost here. And you have that. And then you also have the, uh-oh, Pesach is soon. Start cleaning and eating all your bread. So it's like a very hyper time. It's very hyper. And um, I love it. And my kids will tell you if whenever we talk, what is mommy's favorite holiday? Purim. I do love it. I do love it. There's a big party at night here. I used to, you know, lead the dancing and, I, and all the women would say, Natalie, come on, do some Zumba. And they'd all follow me. And oh, it was just so much fun. It's just so much fun. Dancing is like nothing. I love it. Um, so that is coming up and, um, it's a very special time to be in Israel. So if you have plans to come, please do. 
and you know, reach out to me. I'll, I'll take you down here to Harkavon and you'll see how green it is. I believe we are just about out of time. Please keep writing and um, sending in your comments. I love them. Have a great week, everybody. And I'll, I'll speak to you all next week. Where can you get the inside news on Israel? At Israel News Talk Radio, we're dedicated to sharing Israel's inside story with the world by providing our listeners with news on Israeli politics, current affairs, and Israeli Jewish culture. The Israel News Talk Radio homepage also provides you, the listener, with useful information at your fingertips with scrolling news headlines, weather, currency exchange, Shabbat candle lighting times, and so much more. Our radio programming is always accessible and on demand. We operate absolutely free of charge for everyone, everywhere. If you love what we do, partner with us now by becoming an Israel News Talk Radio supporter. With your support, you'll be inscribed on our Israel News Talk Radio Wall of Fame. There's nothing like us in the world. Be part of something great. Israel News Talk Radio. Straight talk from Israel. Howdy, this is Rita from Leak City, Texas, now living in Israel. And though my heart may have belonged to Texas, it now belongs to Israel and all the fantastic show hosts at Israel News Talk Radio. Hi, this is Michael Solomon from Kiryat Arba, Israel. And why do I love listening to Israel News Talk Radio? Because I love listening to the interesting interviews they do and their news reporting that most other media sources don't cover. Hey, this is Nicole Eko from Malmo, Sweden. It gets pretty cold here in Sweden, so I love cuddling up with a warm cup of tea while I listen to Israel News Talk Radio. Hey, everybody, this is Frank Norris from Tennessee. Me and my dog Buster really love listening to Israel News Talk Radio. <laughs> You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. News, opinion, and more. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio.